Timothy was in a very dangerous place. He was stressed at all that he had witnessed. His faith had been weakened. I mean, he was young and was beginning to see the cost of the gospel. Seeing where Paul was in prison, his brothers and sisters persecuted, even unto death. Some falling away, false teachers rising up. I mean, who wouldn't be discouraged? Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Good evening, everybody. Whew, you guys do this every Friday night. It's a pretty blessing to be here with everybody. I remember that story about how Philip and I met. And uh, it's funny, I wasn't the annoying one. He was. <laughs> so, uh, but no, truly, uh, what, what really drew me to Philip was his love for Jesus. And uh, you guys are truly, truly blessed to have a pastor who does, loves Jesus as much as he does. Uh, so thank you, Philip, for inviting me today. Could you guys bow with me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Holy Spirit, help me preach the gospel. May Christ and Christ alone be lifted up. Not in eloquence of speech, but in the power of God. May I decrease and you increase. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You guys aren't tuned to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Please open up your Bibles or open up your apps to follow along with me, please. When I was asked to come here and preach, I was so excited. And uh, Philip gave me this text from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, the, the weight of preaching this text came over me. I mean, this letter is a very solemn and serious letter with very weighty implications. The circumstances, as, I'm, as I know you guys went over last week, um, were very dire. Paul is in prison. He is and knows that he's at the end of his life. The church in Ephesus and greater Asia is experiencing the effects of persecution. There are apostate leaders who have started to teach false doctrines and they are using the situation Paul is in to discourage the church, abandoning Paul and using him being in prison as evidence that he was the false teacher. And even more grave is that it seemed to be working. People were afraid and discouraged and Paul needed true leaders to step up and fill the gap. But also the more I was laying out this plan for this message and digging deeper into the text, the weight began to be lifted. Yes, this was a call to Timothy from Paul who was in the direst of circumstances preparing for death to be strong, to preach the gospel, make disciples. And also this was a call to suffering. But there was hope 
in this message, there is a reason to endure. Timothy would not be left alone to his own devices. Read with me in chapter 1. You, th- or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. <laughs> you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus, Christ Jesus. Paul is continuing here from chapter 1 and indicating to Timothy that he is building from what he has already previously said. Paul is well known for using repetition. He uses it among other reasons to really get his point across. He wants Timothy, his son, his child of the gospel, whom he taught and led in the faith, to really have the fullest understanding possible. I mean, this was seriously important. And this is why Paul uses repetition for emphasis. Be strengthened. This is the initial command given by Paul in this section. He knows Timothy needs strength. And it isn't a stretch to assume Timothy was in a very dangerous place. He was stressed at all that he had witnessed. His faith had been weakened. I mean, he was young and was beginning to see the cost of the gospel. Seeing where Paul was in prison, his brothers and sisters persecuted, even unto death. Some falling away, false teachers rising up. I mean, who wouldn't be discouraged? However, Paul's call for Timothy to be strengthened wasn't a call for Timothy to do it alone or in his own strength. In the Greek, the way Paul words this command, he connects this power or strength to grace and to Christ Jesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The strength Timothy needed wouldn't come from himself, but through divine agency. This call to be strengthened by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, would be something he needed to do and continually do if he wanted to be able to carry out the rest of Paul's charges. The sense here truly is that Timothy needed to yield himself to divine empowerment. We want to ask what this grace that is in Christ Jesus, what what is that? And grace is a term I'm sure we've all heard many times, and it generally means God's unmerited or undeserved favor as the basis of salvation. And here, that is a little broad for this text. And in this context, we should take grace to mean the gracious nature of this empowerment that Timothy would need, that the Spirit would provide. In other words, God would freely provide this strengthening power in Christ Jesus through grace for those with genuine faith in him. Continuing in chapter or in verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The best way, and I like to frame it this way, is Paul is saying to Timothy is, one, preach the gospel and make disciples. 
We know Paul is speaking about the gospel here because he again references back to something he mentioned earlier in Timothy. In chapter 1, verse 13, he said, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. And this is a typical Pauline expression for the gospel. And he mentions in the presence of many witnesses, meaning to remember the others that can authenticate this gospel message that Paul had been preaching. Paul is an impossible with, with authority and power, and his message is true and is to be trusted. Here comes the second command from Paul, and it is to entrust this gospel to faithful men. Timothy is tasked here with preaching the gospel and raising up disciples to take up this calling as well. Paul wanted Timothy to do what he had done for him, disciple others. Who is going to take up this mission after Paul dies? And as I mentioned earlier, there, there had been a heavy and increased persecution of believers in Asia and Rome, and there was a defection from the apostate leaders in Ephesus, which created this kind of leadership vacuum. The ranks of faithful leaders had been depleted. And the work of Paul was in danger of coming to a halt. Paul is entrusting Timothy with teaching and discipling new workers for this very mission. These new disciples needed to be trustworthy. Soundness of faith and doctrine are to be assumed, but they needed to be dependable. They needed to know the cost of discipleship and most important, willing to pay it. This is in stark contrast with those who had fallen away after seeing Paul in prison and after seeing brothers and sisters persecuted in contrast with those who have abandoned the gospel. Timothy needed disciples who had a commitment to fulfill what they had promised to do. Continuing in verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The third call to Timothy is to share in suffering. Again, Paul repeats himself from chapter 1, verse 8, in, the, in his command to suffer for the faith. It is a little different here because Paul previously Paul points out that the, that the gospel is what we're suffering for. Here, Paul expands on that idea. Suffering is a requirement for faithful service. Jesus is our commander, and we are his soldiers. A good soldier is willing to suffer. To aid Timothy in understanding this concept, he is given a threefold picture of the inner requirements required of him that a good soldier must meet. Verses 4 through 7, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I like to sum up these three examples of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer with distraction, discipline, and diligence distraction, discipline, and diligence. Distraction, no soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. His sole focus is to please his commander. There is, a def there is definitely an emphasis on single-mindedness, and he does not allow him or herself to be distracted. 
discipline. An athlete isn't crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The sense here in the text is more about the discipline of consistency than it is about breaking the rules or cheating. There is a discipline that every athlete must endure. The day in and day out of training, the blood, sweat, and tears that one must endure to be ready to compete is what Paul had in mind here. True champions suffer. Diligence. I'm not a farmer, but I know what farmers do. Well, I've seen them in the movies. <laughs> Farming is the epitome of hard work. I mean, they're, they're up at the crack of dawn, work hard all day, and they come in when it's dark. They, they do this every single day because they know that is the only way they're going to produce a crop. But this isn't just any labor. The hard work is connected to single-mindedness and discipline. That isn't all. Each of these things are linked to a specific goal, a prize. The single-mindedness of the soldier, the discipline of the athlete, and the diligence of the farmer is the only way to please God, be crowned, and have a share in the crops. Verse 7 says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, re reflect on what I just told you. There is a lot here, and I, and I need you to think it over. What I'm asking you to do isn't going to be easy. It's going to cost you something. But it isn't without its rewards. You want to please God. You want to finish the race and be crowned. You want to share in the harvest. Don't be distracted. Have discipline to run the race. Be diligent with everything you have and work hard. If I was Timothy, and after reading all that, I would have had to take a moment and process everything I just read. I mean, up until this point in chapter 1 and, and, and up through here to chapter 2, there is a lot that has been said that is difficult to accept and hard to understand. And, and Timothy has to be like, well, how? Why? That's a lot. Paul as if reading the mind of his spiritual son is ready for the thrust of his exhortation and argument to Timothy. Timothy, I know what I am asking from you is a lot. I know the circumstances are difficult, nay, impossible. I know that the cost is high, but, and we continue in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign. If we deny, he will deny us. If we are faithless, yet he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
remember Jesus. Timothy, remember Jesus risen from the dead. The offspring of David has preached in my gospel. This is the Jesus who is alive. This is the offspring of David. Yes, the one and only Messiah, the King. He is alive. The resurrection isn't just some historical fact to be remembered. It is something that is to be rehearsed over and over and over again. He is alive. In light of that, with your mind on him, that is why I'm suffering, Timothy. Suffering in chains like a criminal. Paul does not sugarcoat the cost of following Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul is very pragmatic here. He is suffering. He is in prison. He is in chains like a criminal. Paul is being very honest with the severity of where he is at. He knows what his end is going to be. But Paul reminds Timothy that the gospel isn't bound. In fact, in light of everything that is going on around him, imprisonment, suffering, persecution, apostate leaders, weakness, faithlessness, the power of God, the power of the gospel is being displayed. The gospel can't be stopped. The gospel cannot be stopped. Paul will endure whatever he has to. This gospel, this unstoppable gospel fuels his willingness to endure everything. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. God's people are out there and Paul's mind and his heart are fixated on them. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. He will also endure to make sure that this gospel goes out to those whom God has chosen. As Paul wraps up this section of his letter to Timothy, I I want to remind us that this is God's word for all generations, all cultures, all locations. So by extension, to every true believer here tonight. Verse 11, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remember Jesus. Romans 6, 8 through 11. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The sense here isn't necessarily a physical death, but the death of sin and self 
every true believer must go through. Just as Jesus died and rose again, we too must die to sin and self. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Remember Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance is the Christian response to suffering. And we as Christians should not be surprised at it. We are called to endure through it to the end. We must endure it. For the reward is the promise of reigning with Jesus. Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. For if we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Remember Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 33, But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Rejecting the responsibilities we have as believers, dying with Christ, dying to sin, enduring suffering for the gospel, is denial of Jesus. Whereas obedience is rewarded with divine blessing, disobedience is seen as a rejection and comes with the most severest of penalties, rejection from Christ himself. For if we deny him, he will also deny us. Remember Jesus. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Commentators are divided in the meaning of faithlessness here. Does it mean a similar rejection and total denial of Christ and his calling? Does it mean to show unfaithfulness or have a weakened faith? Regardless of the interpretation, and I tend to believe in this context, it is speaking of showing unfaithfulness to the calling of Christ and Paul, which is to suffer faithfully for the sake of the gospel and the elect. Doesn't matter. The emphasis is on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus will always and forever remain faithful to his covenant. James 1.12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who loved him. love him. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.36, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So I ask you tonight, and this is your calling in Christ Jesus, with the single-mindedness of the soldier, the discipline of the athlete, the diligence of the farmer, being empowered through the grace which is in our Lord Christ Jesus, go, go and preach the gospel, make disciples and suffer faithfully. This is your calling in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? How do you do that? Okay, you're, you're all in. How do we do that? Share 
the gospel wherever God has you. Be actively looking for people who need Jesus. And, and guess what? They're everywhere. Everybody needs Jesus. Build up your brothers and sisters. Study the word together. Continue in relationship with one another. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Serve one another. And as I begin to finish, the band can come back up. <laughs> Just don't play any sad songs, please. But one of the most, if not most powerful things you can do as a Christian is suffer well. You don't need to look for suffering in this life. And I know most of you are young and you're probably thinking, dude, bro, I'm chill. I'm not suffering. I'm Everything's cool. Just live. Just wait a little bit. Suffering's going to come. <laughs> but suffer well for the gospel. If you aren't being persecuted for the gospel, if the gospel hasn't cost you anything, it's time to check yourself and what you're doing. If none of your unsafe friends even know that you're a Christian, they can't tell. Maybe you're doing it wrong. But the good news is, it's not too late. You can turn now. Remember Jesus. For even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Bow with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for being faithful when we are faithless. Thank you for your grace that not only saves, but empowers. Empower us all here tonight to preach the gospel, to make disciples, and to suffer faithfully for the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.